peace and welcome to Nothing But Ingredients, the podcast that teaches people simple, essential skills they can use in the kitchen, in the yard, on the farm, and beyond so that they're better prepared to live through the coming famine. This is Real Food Talk You Can Use Today. I'm your host, at Farmer Courtney, and welcome to Episode 2, Sister Harriet's Preparedness Class. Over the years, I've checked out materials on preparedness from many different sources. The general themes sharing this common principle, a thread that runs through all of them, much of it left me with a wide range of feelings from you know, deeply inspired to take things on with this massive vision you know, let's grow all the food, let's gather and stock the rest with beautiful organization, right? Pinterest-worthy plans to the other side of the spectrum of urgency, lack, and this general overwhelm because clearly preparedness for the non-millionaire can be frustrating. You know, if you do the math and you find it lacking, it translates to an often slow, year-by-year process That must be part of one's everyday life if you're going to gain some ground. So Aesop's fables, scripture, both teach us about the ant in a very illustrative manner, right? It leaves an impression on us. And there are several reasons why the ant is mentioned in the Bible. We can observe them working diligently on building and putting up their food from, you know, late in the spring, first warmth. All summer long, these insects, the tiny ant, they are prepared and unified, one-minded. They, every season, they got a plan and they follow it faithfully. Last month, my three youngest children and I had the opportunity to travel down to Pennsylvania for a quick visit to MSG Alvey Farms and camp out on the land. Now, Camping is not something that I've ever done with any of my six children. I personally, I used to camp out quite a bit in my late teens, but after having babies and living way out here on the farm, far from everything, no thank you. Camping did not appeal to me at all for at least two decades. In fact, I owned no gear at all. I was just joking with my oldest daughter about this. We didn't own a tent. We didn't have a sleeping bag. We didn't have anything. Camping was a no. (laughs) And this is mainly due to isolation. If we were traveling, if I was taking this show on the road, please, please be taking me to a place where there are people, right? (laughs) I have had enough trees, nature, dirt, and bugs in my life. If I have to pack up everything and go somewhere on some sort of, you know, family outing, don't take me camping. I had no desire at all. I would hear friends, you know, share of their stories and it always sounded great for them. But camping for me was in a category of not at this time. The father of my children, he's he's the aesthetic, right? Myself, I would have been happy founding a town farm, a a farm that was a bit more near things. 
but he is very into the views, the aesthetic, everything. So we're out here, right? But my son is the only boy out of the whole, you know, crew of children. So out of the six, I have one son. And when he turned 12, I bought him a tent and a sleeping bag to camp out in the yard with. So preparedness has been on my mind more and more lately because weather events, natural disasters, it just really forces us to think about things. And I've been getting in touch with how it's all an illusion to think that, you know, we're prepared just because we have a farm and a minimum of supplies and we're just out here. And so everything that we have, I really just felt like could be gone in an instant. It's become very tangible, this feeling of how easily things can be wiped out due to a weather event, earthquake, natural disaster. You know, we think based on our current environment that we know what to prepare for. But for me personally, I always have to get around other minds to realize that I'm not thinking right or I'm not thinking deep enough. I'm not having complex thoughts enough around it. So when I saw the post promoting that MSG LV Farms was having a family preparedness camp out weekend, I got in touch with Brother Michael and I asked if he would permit us to attend the event. He warmly invited us down to the farm and encouraged us to come. I hadn't known Brother Michael before this. I met him on Instagram through a blessing of an algorithm. It was one of those suggested follows. And I saw that they were just getting started with the farm. Beautiful green pastures and vibrant animals, you know, came across my feed. And so I started following them and commenting them. And they were just getting started with their farm, but surely they were determined. I came to learn that they weren't even a year in and that they had committed to raising dairy cows. That is serious. If you're not someone who farms or homesteads, Having a cow, having animals on that level is a serious commitment. We have been farming for over 20 years and still in our family only talk about getting a Jersey cow like it's some kind of mythical creature. Wow, I'd love to raise a cow someday. You know, we all get that like dreamy look like it's a unicorn or something. And I live in upstate New York. There is no shortage of cows around here, but... The infrastructure, the committed farmer to raise one, that commitment of being able to sustain the cow in the best manner possible has been beyond my grasp due to a variety of factors. MSG LV Farms has more than just cows, and they have more than one cow. They have horses, they have goats, they have chickens and sheep too. In fact, once Brother Michael messaged me about sheep, you know, seeing if I knew anyone with a certain type that he was looking for. I did not, but I connected with the spirit of their farm project. The more and more I connected with their content and just from the message, it just was a prompting deep within me to really check out what they were doing. And recently, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan had gotten me into raising chickens. And this may sound like not a big deal, it's just some chickens, but... It has been a journey for myself and the family to successfully nurture day-old chicks into productive laying hens. And one summer day, I was at the feed store with preparedness on my mind, and they had a manager's special on chicks. 
So when I entered the store, I wasn't under any impression that we needed any more chickens. We'd hit our stride. Things were going well. We had, you know, a dozen mature hens. And each day we were gathering these dozen eggs joyfully. And we were even selling the surplus. The chicken feed at this shop is far in the far back corner of the store. So you got to pass everything, including the pen where they sell the baby chicks to get to it. So we always stop to see the chicks. It's like a half an hour drive into town and try to make the most of the time, learn something, teach the children something when we're in the store. So we stopped to see the chicks and I saw that they were only a dollar each, not the normal $4 each due to the shipping mix up that left the store with far too many chicks in a time where there's relatively low demand. <laughs> so I thought maybe we should get some extra. And then if the folks at MSG LV Farms are in need of more chickens and they message me, I can say, yes, I do know where you can get some laying hens. In fact, I've been raising them for you. And by the time the word of this event that we attended recently came through, those chicks were now pullets who were big enough to be okay without a light at night. And thankfully, we could still fit seven of them into a cardboard box because our car isn't that big right now. We also had a litter of farm kittens that were ready to go to homes. So I asked if they happened to be in need of any kittens because we have a good mouser, Mama Cat, and I got an affirmative message on that because every farm needs a cat. <laughs> they didn't have any, so it was perfect. And I'm not really an animal person, nor a camper, so the scene at our departure was just a classic God moment. Here we are, all loaded up with our camping supplies, minimal, of course, our personal items, and then in the back with the girls, there's seven chickens in a box in the back seat, and then up front, riding with me, there's my son with two little kittens in another box, and so we hit the road in our little loaded down Toyota Camry for this beautiful ride down to PA to visit MSG LV Farms. It's less than three hours away, so it was a perfect, perfect trip. We are already isolated in life, right? Before coronavirus, before any life changed for many, many people, we had been already living an isolated life. So arriving at the farm and meeting Brother Michael's family, the other guests, and then finally Brother Michael himself, it truly felt like heaven. I have been so relaxed in all my life. It was the first time of meeting members of the Nation of Islam in person, and it was such an honor to be among that level of peace I will be forever grateful for the blessing and the opportunity to visit such a beautiful place and witness a circle of family and friends who are all so on purpose. We only spent one night down at MSG LV Farms, but before we departed, Brother Michael's grandmother, Sister Harriet Muhammad, called some of us into a circle for a preparedness lesson, if we were willing and wanted to hear what she had to say. So... I jumped at the opportunity. I always have a deep desire to learn from wise elders, especially people who have 
specific knowledge on surviving, you know, the times that we're living in and a vast array of experiences to draw from. So she sat us all down in the circle and she opened us with prayer and centered our minds on the deep and lasting value that we gained from our experience camping at the farm. She reminded us that this experience, it has filled us with memories that we will always have. So sounds and laughter, stories, smells, they'll always be with us. She shared that her name is Sister Harriet Muhammad from Mosque Number 7 and that she is the oldest MGT lieutenant in the Nation of Islam. She shared with us that she's 80 years young and she has not retired from her post. And if you're not a student of the Nation of Islam and you're wondering what those terms mean, I've linked a short 15-minute video that does a much better job of explaining it than I could in the show notes. You can check those out at amazureofgood.com. And I'll briefly say it means that she is a wise, multi-talented woman with a vast skill set and a gentle yet commanding presence. The biggest takeaway for me was how she reframed the whole conversation from survival to what solutions do we need to have on our minds so that we can live through trying times. This changed the whole dynamic. It had me rewrite the opening of the podcast. I used to say surviving through the coming famine, and now I say living through, because there will be people who live through it, and the difference, aside from the will of God in our lives and how everything plays out, is our skill set, our knowledge. She reminded us that the reason why it's important to change survival to living solution is because focusing on living through circumstances and seeking solutions through that lens raises the moral bar. Survival where that invokes an energy of one who do, you know, anything to survive. It's very kind of Hollywood-esque and not as realistic as one might think. But when we think in terms of living through something, We can focus on living and solutions. This empowers us to do what we need to do and what needs to be done to solve the problems with our intelligence and our hearts when we're facing them during times. If we're living in the context of wanting to live right, you know, being high-minded. Sister Harriet spoke of the importance of knowing the history of the land that we may find ourselves on, you know, wherever we are, to study the shelters of the people who lived where we find ourselves originally. She shared her experience of traveling to South Africa and seeing villages whose dwellings were situated in a circle. And she shared the energetics of the the village and the people and the sense of place sense of community and then she directed our attention to how our tents were set up in a circle on the farm food is foundational right so we must eat to some degree during tough times and so then she went more into some very practical knowledge she taught us that a small cook stove can be made out of can and a 75% alcohol solution 
in the event that we get caught without any type of butane fuel or electric source of you know power of any kind and this was news to me and so in putting this together I checked it out and I found a how to make a DIY alcohol stove from soda cans on the REI camping co-op type blog and I've linked it in the show notes pretty fascinating and there's some good information in the notes and things to be aware of she encouraged us to have batteries and lanterns always over candles because of the risk of fire that candles pose and sister Harriet stressed the importance of being prepared both in our homes and in our cars and in our camping gear she shared a story about her daughter down in Georgia and how she got caught in that snow slash ice storm about five years ago. And if you remember, if you saw any footage of it, it absolutely paralyzed the city and it left many people in a terrible mess, just stranded on highways for long stretches of time. And so she said her daughter, while caught up in the traffic snarl with everybody else, that she wasn't suffering because she was prepared. She had food in her car. She had a portable butane stove. She had coffee. (laughs) She had supplies, not just coffee that she was, you know, drinking as she got stopped, but no, like she had coffee. She had a stove. She had supplies. She had water. And she was able to help the people around her live through it with a greater degree of comfort. And so she served those, you know, close to her until the roads were cleared and people got their bearings and they could get the city moving again. She also talked about her childhood experiences of camping with her family and how each year, you know, they'd learn from their experience and they'd level up their gear and their setups and incrementally improve things and upgrade things if they needed to be or if they were able to. And so everything, you know, that was upgraded was based on what they learned from the previous year's experiences how they would, you know, want to keep up with how things were evolving in the the marketplace of gear and contrast that with what, you know, what they'd like to improve. So she taught us to, you know, really be mindful. Think about leveling up. Is your bedding working? Is your bedding going to continue to work based on, you know, changes in age or health conditions? Think about that. Think about the needs of the, the people in your family. It might be fine for you to be, you know, with just a a mat, a pad, and a sleeping bag on the floor. But think of the whole range of everybody that may be needing um, to have bedding and level it up if you're able to. There's a lot of great innovation going on. You know, she drew our attention to the, the way things have changed, and that was really good information to take away. Same with our cooking setups. Level up your cooking setups where you can. Keep it simple where it's working. And level up your shelter. You know, she shared the different evolutions of how they they all camped in a really big 13-person camp and then evolved into camping trailers and different things. And while we may not uh, have time and opportunity to prepare to such a great length, to always be thinking about our gear thinking about having it as a regular part of our experiences of our skill set that we build in our lives that was the main thread through the whole thing to be observant 
of each aspect of your setup and just seek to improve your setup wherever you see room for improvement, you know, critique, how is it working as you're going through, you know, Sister Harriet, who again, she's 80 years young, she just stressed the importance of knowing how to use and how to set up your own gear yourself in the event that you are alone. So be able to do things for self. And then if you have to have help for one reason, physically you need help or for whatever the reason is, that then you have the knowledge. You can fully instruct everyone else who may offer assistance how to help you. So know your shelter, know your stoves, know your gear. Be capable. Be capable is really what she really stressed to us. She highly recommended having two separate single burner butane stoves if possible in your preparedness stash your gear stash one for your vehicle that always stays there and one for your home so that could be um, planning for not only emergencies and camping but also for when times are good she said you know to keep in mind that when you're hosting a big event that has some food focus sometimes you wish that you had just one more burner to complete the meal in a timely fashion. I know that happened to me tonight. I'm having a problem with my kitchen stove and my best burner is not operational and I only was working on three burners and I wished that I had um, already implemented this, but it, I have n- yet to do so. So she also emphasized, you know, keeping a full tank of gas in your car as much as possible because not only is this a good and practical principle, She was sharing that recently she specifically heard word from professional truckers that the possibility of a gas shortage on the horizon is something that's of great concern to them that they've been talking about. So it was a, you know, very short and sweet, but powerful strategies and seeds for growing the proper mindset were shared. I'm deeply, deeply grateful. Oh, and one last thing that was very inspiring and gave way for a lot of creative thinking was she encouraged us to look at our landscape and look around us as to how we could skillfully disguise supplies within our yard. So whether that is um, whatever it is that we're trying to store, like whether we're storing extra water, if we're storing, uh, you know, two to five gallons of gasoline, that there's ways that you can hide things within the landscaping of your yard so that they're safely outside or that you have more space in, in you know, things aren't cluttering up your, your garage or your immediate area, but that you're able to landscape skillfully. And in the show notes I've linked, there's tons of ideas on, on Pinterest and not specifically for that. I did find some creative things about, um, you know, places that you can hide your supplies within the design of your house and floors and cabinets and all these different things, but to just really be mindful, be, be mindful. It definitely reminds me of some children's books that we've read uh, over the years and that really describe famine and what people go through. It's very much a stretch for us to wrap our minds around in this overfed, undernourished country's food supply that we are used to in America. 
so much food and most of it junk all around all the time. In fact, it takes a great degree of discipline to stay away from the glut of foods that seem to be relentlessly coming at us from all over. But this is changing due to many different factors, weather being one. There's also something called the grand solar minimum, which is a reduction in solar activity that is happening. This isn't something I'm just riffing on. I wish this was science fiction and something that I was just making up. But this actually translates into very serious state of affairs. So we would be wise to study how to safely fast, how to reduce our calorie intake, how to eat one meal a day as prescribed in the books How to Eat to Live, books one and two by the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. These are not only guides for how to eat to live, like just simple statement, but this is how to eat to live, period, underlined, how to eat to live. It's so much contained within that one sentence. Each one of these podcasts that I start recording I pray that something will be communicated that aids us in that because as intense as things feel for us at this moment, we all have access to food to some degree and that reality is changing and it's one of those things that if we don't get ahead of and we don't get acquainted with the stark reality of as it's happening before the reality of that really hits, we're going to find it much, much more challenging to live through those times. That's it for today. If you want to check out the show notes for the show, you can head over to amessureofgood.com. I'm Farmer Courtney. Until next time, peace.